Welcome to the Ontario AgCast. The Ontario AgCast can now be heard on the Farm and Rural Ag Network. Check us out at farmruralag.com where you can find podcasts like the Shark Farmer Podcast, the Future of Agriculture Podcast, the Farmer and the City Girl, and Grow Smart with BASF. Our guest on the Ontario AgCast today is Bruce Sargent. Bruce and I go back and forth a little bit on different issues. Bruce, you grew up on a dairy farm in Durham East, which is the other side of Toronto from where we are today. Yes. Yeah, I grew up on a about 300-acre Jersey farm. My dad bought it from a German immigrant who uh, had to flee Germany when Hitler was taking power because he was a quarter Jewish. And uh, so he didn't have any sons and we're kind of the adopted family. So we've been running it for almost 30 years now. So you, like everybody else in Canada, is an immigrant. Yes, <laughs> we do go back to... Uh, the sergeants are actually Irish way back in the day. Tell us about your involvement with the dairy farm growing up. When I was in high school, uh, the bulk of the time I was the primary laborer, so milking mornings and nights and chores all day. I did work on the farm pretty much every summer during high school until my last one when I uh, worked for 4-H Ontario, actually. And uh, I still go back pretty much two to three weekends every month to help out and do different things. And I'm quite involved now especially during harvest time when we do a lot of uh, small square bales and, you know, someone has to milk cows and someone has to haul bales. So I still like helping out with that stuff as much as I can. And that is very much the same experience I had growing up on a dairy farm. But that would be where our similarities end because we were average dairy farmers. You guys had an exceptional herd of cows, have an exceptional herd of cows. We do a fair bit of showing. Yeah, we do really well as a, as a homebred herd. We take a big string to the summer show and usually to the Royal as well. And that's uh, definitely a, a big part of our business too. And that's one of the things that the Canadian dairy industry in Ontario specifically has going for it is we have a very vibrant rural economy built around strong farming communities. And supply management is a big part of that. It's really hard to see on the surface, but dairy farmers not only hire labor on the farm, but we also have on any given week, six or more services that we're using, whether it's feed or, you know, tractor maintenance or building on the barn, repairs on equipment, uh, like the list goes on and on and on. There's a guy that picks up the milk. There's a slew of people at the processing plant that turn it into cheese or make it into milk or what have you. And all of those jobs rely on a stable supply management system. And that trickles over to eggs and chicken and turkey as well, all four of those industries. That's right. And you can go across the border to the U.S. and you don't have to drive very far. And you can go to communities that are the same size as the communities that we grew up in. And they don't have the same solid infrastructure in place that we do here. People will talk about how supply management is holding us back. But when your communities have the money to invest in sports arenas and bridges, and there's just more stability there because farmers, they have a stable price for the product that they sell. They know that they can invest in the future and they can support those local businesses. They know they can invest in their communities. They know they can invest in their farms. I just saw a story yesterday that there's a family in the States that's been trying to build a new heifer barn for 15 years. And when prices are good, they pay down debt. 
And when prices are bad, they take on debt. And by the time it all balances out, they don't have enough money to buy a new heifer barn, even though they've been needing one for 15 years. Supply management is something that we've been talking about since I was a kid, which is longer ago than when you were a kid. It's been debated whether it's going to stay or whether it's going to go, whether it's needed, whether it's not needed. So I've been having these discussions for the last 25 years. Unfortunately, we're we're at a place right now where because farmers make up such a small percentage of the electorate, politicians are starting to lose their will to support a supply management system, which is not very well understood by the urban population, and it's easy to pick apart. Exactly. So right now we have a political candidate running for the Conservative Party who is taking advantage of that misinformation. And, and it sounds like a good idea to reduce the cost of food. But at the end of the day, Canada has some of the lowest food costs in the world. People only spend about 11% of their disposable income on food. And by February 8th this year, the average income made enough money to feed their family for the entire year. So when we have statistics like that, supporting that our food system is working really well, it's frustrating to me when we have a political leader who's essentially lying in the cornerstone of his platform saying that these products are too expensive. And so you got worked up enough that you went to a meeting where this leader, Maxime Bernier, Max, was speaking and you got in his face and you had the chance to ask him a question. But let's talk a little bit about what the political climate is today. You know, it's not that long now that Donald Trump is in power in the U.S. And is that changing the way that politicians are trying to get elected? I think so. Donald Trump won the election with a cloud of confusion is the best way of putting it. There were a lot of things that happened that people didn't fully understand, whether it was the FBI announcing their investigation of Hillary Clinton in the last nine days of the election or the email scandal or, you know, ties to Russia and all of those sorts of things. And so Trump won the college on confusion. So now in Canada, we have a political leader who's running to be the leader of the party who is using confusion in the exact same way. So Max would be Donald North. Exactly. I called him Mr. Mr. Donald North last night. And, and since we're talking about Max, I just want to make this very clear right out of the bat. And I'm saying this to Max's people or to Max if they happen to be listening. I'm an individual right now expressing my freedom of speech. Don't try to turn this into some sort of conspiracy or lobbying effort because that's not what this is. This is a grassroots movement of people who disagree with your confusion and your tactics and are mounting resistance against you, as is our right to do so. This is very political. I feel, now I know how Stuart Skinner feels when he goes on the radio. The meeting that you went to was in Guelph. Was it an invite meeting or was it an open meeting to the public? So Max held a campaign event in Guelph Monday night, and it was open to the public, but you head to RSVP. And I was actually a little bit worried putting my information into the form, thinking that they were going to vet me and turn me around at the door. But Because they did that in Western Canada. Yes, they have. They, there are political leaders that will do that. So, so I got in, thankfully, and um, I had brought one question with me because I knew that was all I was going to get. And uh, I, I simply asked Max how he could justify the cornerstone of his election campaign being that dairy, egg, poultry, and turkey are two times the market value of what they should be. 
And why was he lying to Canadians saying that our milk was so much more expensive when I had statistics that we were actually in the middle of what the average is in the U.S.? So in the U.S., normal milk is about a dollar and twenty cents a liter, and our milk averages at a dollar forty. And yet he's telling people that our milk is two times the value. The question when it comes down to alternative facts, because that's what we're really talking about here. If you go into a Walmart in the U.S. when they're running a special on on milk and you go into a Walmart here in Canada when they're running a lost liter special on the price of milk, you're going to pay virtually the same price for that milk in the store. Very good point. In the States and in Australia and in countries that don't have supply management anymore, they're that much more able to have loss leaders. And the grocery store and the retailer's margins go up while the dairy farmer's margins go down because they control the price. What Max's response literally was, was you may have the facts, but I have reality. And he has constituents who cross the border from Quebec and go into the U.S. and buy milk cheaper than the, f- the numbers that I had been saying to him. And, and that may be true. I had averages, but there are highs and lows in those averages. And the point is that we're within a very close margin of those averages. That's true. And, and certain communities here in Canada pay more for food based on where they're located. If you went into a grocery store in mid-America and you wanted to buy bananas, you would pay less than if you went into a grocery store up in Moose Jaw just because of where those groceries have to go. It isn't a question of supply management driving the cost. There are some economic variables that apply in any system. When he talks about how this is costing Canadians more in the store for our dairy products, he's really taking advantage of this new political climate where you don't have to get your facts checked. Absolutely. He he did a perfect example of it last night in this whole alternative facts world. Max went on a total Twitter tyrant last night, very similar to what Trump does uh, on the weekends when no one has control of his phone. And he tweeted at least 10 times the exact same link. And he was saying, look at this amazing article about all of the terrible facts about supply management. And when you actually click on the link, it was an editorial that, again, had no basis in fact. And it spewed a bunch of lies like that the Canadian dairy system was dumping milk and instead of donating it to food banks. Mm-hmm. Dairy farmers in Ontario last year donated over 100 million liters of milk to food banks. So that's in one particular year. And yet this editorial says that we're dumping it and you know not giving it to food banks. And if that's all that people read, then that's the only information they have to go off of. The other thing that he's trotting out there again is that supply management is holding us back from these amazing export opportunities for our non-supply managed sectors, pork, beef, all of our grain and oilseed farmers. And that's an area that I think it's easy to sell, but the facts don't necessarily support that. Absolutely, that's incorrect. And and all you need to do is look at the lentils market in Canada, where 80 to 90% of that is exported. And, and then you look at CETA and TPP, where we gave up market share in our supply management commodities, and those deals happened. And so now we have access to those markets for our, our beef. Again, a new story that came out this week is that beef farmers in Canada are finding that European countries have suddenly brought in new health standards for their beef that will make our beef 
impossible to enter their market. Right. There's so, there's other trade barriers that they'll come up with to keep the product out. Exactly. It's it's free trade. There's no tariff, but suddenly there's these rules that's going to make it harder, if not impossible, for Canadian beef to go to Europe. And this image that he's trying to paint that there's a bunch of beef farmers out there that are lobbying to get supply management taken away. I talk to beef farmers every day. And I know that that's not true because they understand what happens when you decimate that sector of Canadian agriculture, what happens to the infrastructure in those small communities that they benefit from as well. When you paint the whole industry, the whole agriculture industry with one brush, it doesn't, it doesn't fit all the grooves and, and small spaces. And, and so you can't compare beef and dairy. And it should be pointed out that the supply management system that we have is not perfect. There are challenges. There are things that we change. We've seen in the last year progress on some of these issues. We have to manage the supply of butter, for instance. As butter demand goes up, we were caught behind trying to catch up with that butter, and we ended up with an excess of skim. Well, that's a a situation that's largely been addressed, and we will continue to adapt, and we will continue to make changes for the better. But to say that we should throw the system out because it isn't perfect doesn't make any sense. Throwing the baby out with the bathwater right now would, would be devastating to the entire Canadian economy. Maxim tweeted last night that, you know, why do we let these 12,000 farmers and their special interest groups control our food system? And, and that, that sounds really good. Like it's, it's a nice little soundbite, but it's just not true. There's tens of thousands of farmers and hundreds of thousands of their family and then hundreds and thousands of their employees that this would impact. And then for that to be true, for that soundbite to really carry some weight would have to mean that it hurts every other farmer and it hurts the consumers by having that system in place. And we just know that that's not the case. Interesting, there was another question that that you had caught on tape. Someone asked, what will the result be if we get rid of supply management? Yeah, so someone had asked him, it started off by saying that they really supported getting rid of supply management and then had followed up by saying, how much trade do you expect to occur once the border is open and once we don't have these restrictions? And in two words, he said, well, three words, he said, I don't know. Yeah, which is kind of scary. Yes. So as a business owner and, and an entrepreneur myself, I make decisions based off of facts and research and, and yes, a little bit of instinct. But when you're thinking about throwing a multi-billion dollar industry out the window you should have some very concrete case studies, research, some sort of projections to justify that decision. And it isn't as if we have to make this a theoretical conversation. I saw somebody try and compare Canada to New Zealand, which is a totally inaccurate comparison. There is a comparison that could be made. The comparison between Canada and Australia would be much more accurate. We have the U.S. on our doorstep. Australia has New Zealand on their doorstep, and they deregulated their industry in 2001. We don't have to guess at what would happen. We can look to Australia and see what the effect has been on their dairy industry. Well, and to back up for just a split second, when we're comparing these different nations in terms of price of milk and their industries, something that's really easy for Max to ignore is that we have this thing called winter here in Canada. Uh, So we actually spend the majority of our summer growing crops and storing them 
a lot of time and energy goes into that. And then we have to be in our barns for four to five months of the year. And some of these commodities, like the poultry, actually have to heat their barns through the winter. Mm -hmm. That isn't the case in Australia. So yeah, we have costs that are higher during certain times of the year in Canada. And yet our prices are still very similar to these other countries. When you talk about the Australian example, again, there's two parties. One has supply management, one doesn't. One wants access to the other and it folds. And then look at the contractions that you've seen in that industry since that happened. Australia is producing the lowest amount of milk today as they've produced in any time since they deregulated their industry. And so even given that, even the experience that we have with Australia, one of the suggestions that Max is making is that we take away quota and then we put a tax on milk at the grocery store in order to compensate farmers because the government is so generous to take tax dollars and give it to dairy farmers as a gesture of goodwill. Yeah, so it was actually one of the very first questions that he got asked, and it, it didn't come from me, so I was happy to hear that someone was at least interested in this. So someone wanted to know how he was planning on paying for the quota. And so what Max said was that he would replicate the Australian model, and he would take an eight-year period where he would increase the price of milk by 10 cents a liter, adding that levy, taking that 10 cents and putting it in a bank account, and at the end of that eight-year period using that as a bailout for all of the farmers. So a whole plethora of issues come up in my head when you talk about that. On a purely economic basis, we have the elasticity of demand. You increase the price of milk, which you say is too expensive, by 10 cents, and all of a sudden demand goes down. So you're relying on that money to go into this bank account, which will then be used to buy out the farmers, but you're forcibly making the demand go down making it harder to get that money. Not to mention the fact that how great has the government been in the past about having that amount of money sitting in a bank account and not using it for other purposes. They do like to spend our money. Okay, so you're in this crowd. There's a lot of people milling around. Max is playing to his conservative base. You actually were able to get in front of him and, and ask a question. We're going to play this sound bite. The sound isn't great, but we'll play this and then we'll talk a little bit about what your experience was there. I'm from a dairy farm, so I just I know one of the, it, one of the keystones to your platform is that supply management yes. is costing twice as much yeah. as what it should. Yeah. But Nielsen's milk price from the World Report yeah. says that the U.S. milk price now per liter is 1.2 to 1.6 In Canada, it's 1.48. So you've been telling people that milk is twice the price of what it should be, yeah. and we have stats that show that it's comparable. Yeah, you're so right. how do you justify telling people that they're no, paying too much for right, it? You're right by saying you have stats. I have the reality. If you cross the border, you'll see that a, 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 a liter of milk, a pint of milk, would be half the price. And one, I can prove that it's easy. Why we have to impose 300% tariff on milk, poultry, and eggs because if they come without this barrier, without this tariff, it would be after price. So I'm saying to the reproducer, just abolish this tariff that we impose at the border and you'll see that these products will come after price in Canada. So that's why I'm saying that and you just have to go in the US, you'll see that. Okay, so what did you take away from that? 
So this, again, is misinformation and just a lack of understanding on Max's part. So he's talking about the Canadian Dairy Commission, which is responsible for pricing and the distribution of money in Canada for the dairy industry. And so what he's saying is that the farmers decided to give themselves a pay increase to give themselves better profits because the world price of milk has gone down. And he he even pretends to reference a press release, which I went and found. And so what the press release actually says is that because the world price of milk went down last year and because of other factors, the revenue of Canadian dairy farmers went down significantly last year. And at the same time, some of our costs went down. So as a result, they were going to be increasing the price of milk by 2%. It is true that the price went up by 2%, but what isn't true is that we just decided to give ourselves better profit. The reality is, is that because the world price went down, the dairy farmers had to sell a bunch of surplus byproduct milk on a lower market at a lower cost, so revenue went down. Think about TELUS or Petro-Canada or Take Your Pick. If their revenue went down, they're going to make up for it in the next quarter, somehow, some way. So why are these businesses allowed to do it and dairy farmers aren't? The thing that supply management does do for dairy farmers is it gives them some clout when negotiating with processors. Other countries that have done away with supply management, consumers have not seen the price in the store drop dramatically. Farmers have seen the price at the farm gate drop. And so that means that somebody's making a whole bunch more money in there. And it isn't hard to guess who would benefit the most out of seeing supply management go? And who do you think are the people that are contributing the most to Max's political campaign? Farmers? No. Consumers? No. Big international food companies? Safe bet. Likely. I would honestly, I would be very interested in seeing his funding providers. And that will be something I'll be looking for before the vote happens in May, because I do know they do have to publish that. People need to be aware and think for themselves in situations like this and and ask those types of questions because we need to hold those people responsible. And when it gets down to that personality level of, of who Max is and what he does, something that a lot of people don't know or have forgotten is that Max was actually the Minister of Foreign Affairs in 2008. I don't even know if you know this, but he was the Minister of Foreign Affairs and he took sensitive security documents home to his girlfriends and he broke up with that girlfriend and those documents were there for five weeks. And it's reported in the news that his girlfriend had ties to the Hells Angels. So the only reason those documents made it back into secure hands was because five weeks later, she finally freaked out and couldn't have them sitting on her kitchen table anymore. And she called the security agency to come pick them up. And so Maxim had to retire from the cabinet and give up his position because Stephen Harper told him to. And so now he's trying to lead our country. And for some reason, that hasn't made the news yet. If Hillary can get away with deleting hundreds of thousands of emails, certainly Max can give his stripper Hells Angels girlfriend sensitive documents. (laughs) There's a there's a great cartoon, I'll have to give it to you, where um it's Max hanging with his head low and, and there's a hand reaching out from a door holding boxers. 
and and the quote from Max says, "I mean my NATO briefs." <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay, you're getting me fired up here, Bruce. It's good. You're a lot younger than I am. It's really good to see you getting involved because I think that's the only thing that we can do at this point. And our numbers are not great. The ag industry doesn't have a huge voice. They don't need the votes to get elected. I've not been a supporter of the Liberal Party. I'm not a supporter of Maxime Bernier. What do we do? I think the theory up until this point has been, let's not talk about it because we don't want to give him any attention. But the fact of the matter is that he's getting attention and we need to voice our side of the story. And I think the most important thing is for our leader, regardless of their color, they need to understand farming and they need to at least care enough to gain that knowledge. And it's very evident from Max that he doesn't care doesn't need to know any more than he does. And so when I was at that meeting on Monday, I think the biggest takeaway for me was that the people around that table asking some of those questions were just very disconnected from the reality that we are in right now. So one of the overwhelming questions was from a member of our armed services, and, and his comment was that he felt as though his freedom of speech was being challenged. And what was Maxim going to do to protect legally protect his freedom of speech. And I really wanted to go over to the gentleman and say, you're in a comfy, clean cafe in Guelph, expressing your political opinion openly with no fear of leaving here and being under any threat whatsoever. If that were in some other countries that I can think of, not the same amount of safety. And yet you're here taking up valuable time spewing this false sense of fear. And so there were a couple of comments like that. And another one was about self-defense. This guy felt that his right to self-defense was being eroded. And so when you think about those two issues, and then you think about some of the real issues that we have in Canada, like healthcare, mm-hmm. we found out this week that one of our major hospitals in Toronto didn't have chemotherapy and was canceling the- therapy for terminally ill patients. We have energy poverty in Ontario. We have so many huge issues that need to be dealt with, whether it's security abroad and our armed forces, and yet we have people that are overly sensitive and they may be triggered, as the word is now, that they feel their political correctness has gone off the boards and they need their freedom of speech protected and, and ignoring the fact that they're expressing it at a table very comfortably in one of the safest cities in Canada. Exactly, and that... This attitude that whatever thought you have in your head, it's okay to say that out loud, regardless of who that might hurt. The bottom line is people need to get involved Mm -hmm. and we need to make sure that we don't leave the door open for Donald Trump North. So thank you for taking the time. And it's it's not an easy thing to go and wade into a meeting like that and ask those kind of questions. But we appreciate that you did it. And thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us and share that. Thanks for having me. And all I can say is I hope everyone goes out and gets their um, $15 membership. It's the best 15 bucks I've spent this year to have a little bit of say in the future of our country. This is the political commentary show, Ontario AgCast. If this is the last show we ever do, it's been fun. If not, we'll see you next time.